This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. So, but I think at a young age, I never wanted to be um, identified of my job, and I'm thinking more along the lines of maybe a position name of you know, you know a job. And I've worked in lots of different industries. And none of them really spoke to me. I mean, they were interesting and I learnt things from them to a degree, but I could never see myself saying, no, this is really something, it's not something I'm passionate about. So these range from office-type jobs to, to very physical things as well. Um, so I think, I think I was around 24 and I sort of consciously left my first sort of, or sort of one of my projects or jobs I was working on. I said I just would never work for anyone again. Welcome back to the Stillness Everyday podcast. Today I'm interviewing Patrick Handley. Patrick got me started on my spiritual journey about eight to nine years ago uh, when I went to him to learn how to grow food actually and then he sent me on my way to my first Vipassana. We're going to talk about his journey on building Waterscapes Australia and how he finds stillness throughout his life. Welcome Patrick Handley. Hey Rod. Welcome. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's good. I think this will be a good chat. So, a yeah. bit of background for everyone. I met Patrick, I think, in 2013, 2014. He was leasing a shop, warehouse, Forest yeah, Glen. space at the old Mammoth site, yep. Forest Glen. And um, I was interested in growing, <laughs> learning how to grow food at the time. And um, Dad said, go down and speak to the guy that builds ponds down there. He'll be able to help you out. Um, so I went down not really knowing kind of what to expect and then Patrick being a permaculturalist as well got me onto that and we uh, yeah, we had a garden out had back, a didn't good we? little garden with yeah, heaps of stuff going on there worm farm and the lot oh we did too <laughs> <laughs> and we had that pawpaw that was but, like that yeah. pawpaw that actually got saved and it's still alive that's that's amazing it's actually probably yeah six seven years old now that pawpaw yeah it's up at the farm I remember you saying they only live for four years normally well I think they get taken out by the, in, in that time they don't get as productive yeah, right. after that time. But I mean, uh, this one had grown to like five meters. I had yeah. to cut it down. It was really tall. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I remember that time. That was um, had as yeah in that space there. We had waterscapes and the um, beginnings of aquascape as well. I think. Mm. And I remember you. You were still at school. Just finished. Just yeah. finished school. Saying what? What do we do? What do I do now? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the question. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'd. Um, yeah. I think I'd been working for a year and I was a bit confused where I was going to go study or I was going to keep working and what the whole purpose of, you know, just chasing money was. Um, and then you said go and do a Vipassana. And yeah, yeah. So I think that was one part of it was to, was to start your journey. It was like just go and keep try, trying things. Just keep trying things until something sticks, I suppose, and until you find your path through it all. Mm. And Vipassana has been, was a big change for me as well, um, doing that, and I thought it was a good especially at your age, actually it's amazing that you went and did that. I mean, it's incredible to, that you started, if I had that... I mean, I suppose I did a, to a degree as well, going back through my story, but if I had someone to tell me that at my age as well, when I was your age, for example, mm. it would have been very helpful just to not to worry too much about where you're going to go, keep an interest in what you're doing and where you're headed, mm. and just keep trying different things until they conglomerate into something which is a journey and a path. So, mm. yeah. yeah, definitely think it, it helped and... I mean, Vipassana did start that whole thing because when I was there, it, um, I think I was, I can't remember what day it was, but I remember looking at the building where you have where you have lunch 
and just studying like how it got put together and then kind of getting flashbacks to the buildings I grew up in with dad being an architect and then actually thinking about more kind of detailed parts about the building rather than the kind of as a house, like the thought, that process that goes into designing the whole thing, okay. um, which led me to decide I was going to go study architecture. So Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> enrolled, to, enrolled to architecture after Vipassana and then, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it was kind of, I don't know whether it was the silence there that the thought come up and became inquisitive of it, yeah. but yeah. How did you find the Vipassana, like doing at that, that from where you'd come from, from school, from mm. whatever the background was, into going and doing that, what what was it? Um, that first one. The first one, yeah. <clears throat> I remember, and I think I mentioned on the last podcast, I was a lot around death at the time. I don't know if I'd ever asked you, because, but I remember I was asking my grandpa a lot, like, what's it like knowing you're going to die soon? <laughs> and he was like, he was like <laughs> 88 or something at the time, and... Um, but I think there was obviously some kind of thing with me. It's like, what's the point of everything? So when I was at Vipassana and you're learning to kind of observe <clears throat> everything arise and pass away constantly, and like it, that's really just death as well. It's like everything's coming and going at every moment. It is. Everything's dying at every moment and yeah. rebir- rebir- rebirthing. So um, I suppose that was a big thing coming out of there. But yeah, it was, I don't know, I remember it being full on. I remember everyone thinking, I think I went with Alistair, my friend, and we were the youngest there. Mm. And everyone was going, I wish I did it when I was 20. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was um, definitely like whether you, I mean, I, it's been on and off, on and off for 10 years or whatever, but it's, um, it's always there in the back of your mind, mm. the practice. The practices. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. you start to react, you... Um, Kind of, it's that reminder. It's not you. You might not um, be aware of the sensations or whatever, but you've got that kind of reminder that oh, this is going to pass. It'll pass. Yeah, yeah. this two will pass. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't have the passion when I was younger. I did when I was probably nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. I did do meditation and tai chi mm. for a little while. I was in Victoria, so it was more of a more of a guided meditation at those points, those times. There it was just a private practice, but it was something which definitely affected my life as well and from that uh, finding my stillness at that time um, I think something that I've carried with me is the ability just to I don't know when I'm feeling stressed I feel like everything's it's like it's like a little supernova that sort of got so tight like a tight shell like a like a um, walnut right in the center of my brain and you can mm. feel it like stressed mm. and that's that's when I feel like I'm unbalanced or I'm, I'm stressed or I'm not centered because everything's just pushing in so I just constant, constant, uh, consciously release that and I sort of just let it come out past my body again mm-hmm. and that just gives me that stillness and that's something I learned uh, I've been carrying for a long time from probably from that time of basic meditation throughout my life those times of realizing that um, yes it will pass and that when I'm feeling that stress that something is going around which I haven't taken notice of and it's just time to stop it and let it expand again expand out past my body and release so mm-hmm. That's something I continue. I mean, even with the the um, the, um, the meditation that you did, the um, the, the, the ten day sit mm. uh, that we did, um, I don't use that one as much anymore. I mm. still just sort of head back to that simple one of my own, the sort of post. But that whole experience, it was probably one of those experiences of being one of the hardest things you've done to actually mm. push yourself through it, especially those first three days mm. of, um, of of that meditation. And then um, to stop, to slow that monkey mind, to consciously or unconsciously, consciously come to a point of stillness and mm. then to start to work on the body, which is another five to seven days, isn't it? So, yeah. 
Yeah. It, it is, I actually thought, reflected on this recently, that like coming out of that and then going to uni where I like had never worked that hard. Mm. I just worked constantly throughout mm. uni. Mm. And it does give you a discipline. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I realise you're also very capable of yeah. making it through anything really, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it is physically enduring as well. Because you're sitting, it, it hurt like t- <laughs> ten hours a day. <laughs> yeah, no, it hurts. But that's the whole point as well to to look at the pain and say oh, it's not pain. It's yeah. not neither good nor bad. Yeah, it just is, and yeah. observe the pain. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Or observe what it is. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I was reflecting on the fact that it it is just pain. It's just mm. another sensation. Yeah, it's our body um, saying there's something wrong. It's a physical thing that stops us from, you know, burning our fingers off in a fire or something, you know, that's what it's for, you know. So yeah. once we know there's no fire, it's all right. It's like in the ice bath where you, you once you can regulate your breath, your body knows you're not dying. But as soon as you get in, it's like a panic. Yeah. Oh, shit, I'm frozen, I'm going to die. Yeah, okay. And you go into yeah. this like... <gasps> yeah, I haven't done that yet. I'm looking forward to giving it a go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been in very cold water, but not, not that cold. So, yeah. yeah. So. How do you find that? Is that helping a lot? Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know what it's helping, but it definitely helps just you know, go in, control your breath and, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know all the physiological benefits of it, um, but just getting in and sitting there for four to eight minutes is, yeah, it's just okay. getting past that threshold where it's cold and then realising it's just a sensation and then just observing it and yeah. breathing. Hmm. And it is it is interesting because the moment you notice your monkey chatter coming or someone's talking to you, that's when you get cold. Uh, okay. But if you're concentrated and still mind and no thoughts that's all right yeah. yeah so um let's go back to how did you get to water escapes australia <clears throat> what does that journey what did that journey look like to you for you oh look i think all throughout my life was initially it was when i was younger it was always trying to find something to pull myself from wherever i was finding that thing but i didn't also i did not want to be it's funny because it happens anyway but because if you're doing what you love, then you love what you do and then you are associated with what you do because you're just loving it. Mm. So, But I think at a young age I never wanted to be um, identified because of, of my job. And I'm thinking more along the lines of maybe a position name of, in, a, in a job. And I've worked in lots of different industries um, um, and none of them really spoke to me. I mean, they were interesting and I learnt things from them to a degree, but I could never see myself saying, no, this is really something, it's not something I'm passionate about. Okay. So these range from office type jobs to, to very physical things as well. You know. um, so I think I think I was around twenty four, and I sort of consciously left my first sort of sort of one of my projects or jobs I was working on. I said I just will never work for anyone again. Um, in that sense, that I'll just be doing it because I want the money then to go home to buy food to do what whatever it is, you know. Um, and I also didn't want to be in a position where I had to work. And I know a lot of people are in that position where you have to do support. And I just felt that I had a different path in, in front of me where I didn't um, – not that I didn't want responsibility. I mean, responsibility is something that you learn and that comes to you as well. I mean, we're quite loose with that when we're young. Um, but I think um, to me, growing up with the family, love my family, big family, and being in the position where I just did not want to be – I want to be in the position where I could explore different things in life and to not feel I had to be doing something just because I had to support um, to support things around me. Yeah. So from there I went to um, um, worked in various things and just realised, and it's sort of similar to, I suppose, what I told you, which was just go and try different things, just keep 
going, you know. So I just kept going with um, things that interest me and directions that interest, interested me, be it meditation or Tai Chi and, you know, singing. I did it was in a choir for a while, which was fantastic. I actually met, met um, 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 one of the ladies who was running it just the other day at the Cairo up the road. She was oh, yeah. there. So we did uh, Theodorus. Um, anyway, it was, um, it was a... Was in Greek. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, it was uh, Cant, Cant, Cantor, Cantor General. So we did um, uh, Mikas Theodakis, I think it was Theodakis, and um, um, one of his um, poems. In Asking Melbourne. the wrong person. Asking the wrong person. <laughs> I'll ask your dad. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, lots of different things. And from there, I, um, permaculture was, I was always brought up with um, uh, five acres of independence. Dad was a Dad was a philosopher, but also um, very into soil science and soil health. Um, Podlinsky, uh, Steiner, uh, biodynamics, um, and then permaculture, which which was still very young when I was, you know, young. Mm. So I remember um, Dad um, always having all the literature around. We had bookshelves full of all of that, and then uh, introducing us to that as well. You know, so we were brought up with those philosophies of soil health and health. Dad was always making tofu or kombucha and all those things. You know, he's uh, very, very growing things, growing from the land, producing your own food, being sustainable and self-sustainable. So I sort of took that on board as well. Um, I then went on to study horticulture. So I studied horticulture um, in Queensland and then I went and did a permaculture course drawing from uh, what I'd learnt from my father from going on the bus and reading the books and doing things at home. Uh, at Crystal Waters, we did one there. Um, I did the um, permaculture course uh, probably when I was about 23, maybe. And then from there, the opportunity came to go with, and I was friends with Jeff Lawton at the time, or just um, associated. Um, they were heading off to South South America, into Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sold everything I owned, which wasn't a lot at that time, very little, had a van and a few things, and um, bought a return ticket, six-month return ticket, and had about three or $400 in my pocket, and... And uh, landed in Peru and started on that path as well. So I met some amazing people in South America and uh, Jeff and, and those guys continued on elsewhere. I stayed and went to Ecuador and started working there in different um, communities mm-hmm. um, with the permaculture group in, in Ecuador. Look, I learnt so much in Ecuador in so many ways, in good and bad, and, and uh, how, to, how, how things happen in life and the choices you make. But... It was an incredible experience, South America, for so many reasons. I feel like I've helped people. I feel like I've been helped incredibly as well by people through that whole process down in that country and in those in that area and what was going on there. But from those six months, I ended up staying for seven years in Ecuador. And I just realised from that point too, because I survived, you know, it's a matter of it's a very tight industry and also a very tight economy when you're not reliant on, on grants and things like that in a mm. country like that. So I was always working with local people. Um, we worked with local um, non-government organisations uh, doing permaculture projects. We did um, like farms um, for orphanages, and I worked from the Sierra, which is the high high grounds right down, or the high Andes, I suppose, areas, right down to the Amazon and also to the coast. So yeah, it was a pretty incredible journey. I learned. I love that. I think also one of the things growing up was it was like a feeling like all the adventure. Where, was, where were the undiscovered parts and where was the adventure in life and what was new? And I just realised it is really in your, your journey through 
And I think the thing about South America, it was a different culture and a different climate and a different, some different plants and different ways of doing things that it, it was an adventure. It definitely was open to a lot of things to me, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of learning um, personally and in my skills, practical skills. So, yep. Yeah. Cool. Really, really good. And then from there, you, where did you find the making pond, building <clears throat> ponds? Yeah, for overall from there, from after seven years there, I went to um, Canada. So um, I actually got married. I was married in, in Canada. What, what, had, what made you go to Canada from Ecuador? I got married. Oh, right. <laughs> so you met her down in Ecuador. Yeah, I met her in Ecuador. So that was quite a full-on time. But uh, going to Canada, um, I did get married in Canada, and then I... Um, yeah, I'd like to say actually, she probably to a degree saved my life in 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 there that whole that whole situation and that whole process and that whole relationship. Um, uh, it didn't last long; it was about four years, I think, four or five years. So a lot learnt in that as well, a hell of a lot learnt. Um, but in Canada, I was like, "What do I do now?" And the choice was to go and I mean, I'd go and do something. It was like I couldn't find. Uh, the permaculture entry to support family and all that kind of stuff over there. Mm-hmm. So it was, I started building and I've always been att- uh, attracted and I had built small dams and dams and waterways in Ecuador anyway. We did a few little projects in the Amazon for um, stocking fish and that. So that was something which I'd had from my youth. I was always in creeks and rivers and streams and in the bush and up waterfalls and all the rest of it when I was growing up. So it was sort of a natural progression and something that interests me. And it just came about that it was like there's the potential to build these things that look like the things that you encountered when you were a kid when you were up in the mm. bush. And it was a process and a... And a, and a um, I mean, it's not really product. There is product that goes with it, but it's really the process and the way you approach the building of it, you know, that, that, that allowed me to actually take what I'd see in my head and put it into the physical. So, yeah, which was fantastic. That was Aquascape. So I discovered that... Um, you discovered Aquascape there in Canada. In Canada. So, yeah, um, discovered that. And then I had a bit of a light bulb moment with that because it was like, oh, I wonder if, you know, I did want to go home again. It was time to go back to Australia. It had been close to 14 years since I'd been permanently back in Australia. I'd been visiting. Mm. I thought, oh, this, why not take it back to Australia? There's potential for it. So I came and had a look. I realised there was potential for it because Australia was still a bit in the dark ages with... Oh, it's not the Dark Ages, but the European model of concrete and very formal or just stacked rocks, not very nature-inspired, more like what we kind of think nature sh- could look like, I suppose, or should look like, with lots of concrete and steps and things. Yep. So the idea was to bring ecology back into those bodies of water and bring in bring my dream, anyway, my thought with, with water is to make it better than you get it, you know, mm. than you receive it, and to create ambiences and ecologies and areas that we can enjoy but also the the, the animals and everything else we coexist with mm. so yeah, healthy healthy ecologies you know i mean australia is is the driest or one of the very much the driest uh, continents in the world i mean you wouldn't know it maybe on the east coast at the moment but yeah. australia is and so and often one of those points, uh, people would point out it's a very dry country. How can you keep water? Uh, no, it doesn't really matter. We always will find a way of having water around us. It's an intrinsic thing as a human being to have water near us. We need it. We're made up of a big part of it. We need to consume it every day to survive, mm. as do the things that we, we consume or that we keep around us, you know. 
So we'll always cultivate oasis, you know, around us. So water being a big part of that. And we'll find ways of, of, of hopefully better, doing it better than we are by um, looking after that, mm. that resource better in the future. And, uh, so anyway, so the point was, how can we do it in Australia? I said, well, we're always going to have it there. Why not do it in a way which is beautiful as well as beneficial to the water and everything else that lives around it? So um, bringing it back to Australia, that it was a little bit difficult initially. I mean... Uh, it was a new concept and a new kind of like uh, methodology, I suppose, on building. And so it took a lot of years. I just realised I had to just start again because I had got to a point in Canada where we were quite, going quite well there and then to make that move back mm. to another country was like coming back to another country, another foreign country like I'd done before, moving out to yeah, right. South America and then Canada then back to Australia and then to start it all again. But, you know. So how different would be building a pond in Canada versus... <clears throat> Southeast Queensland. Look, there's not a lot of differences in the actual construction of it, and that's why we use the different things we do. We use a special kind of rubber membrane which moves mm. with um, the ground movement. Like in Canada, for example, you get freeze; everything will freeze over, it'll contract or expand, you know, and then it and then it uh, thaws out, and then it all expands again. So you get the heaps of movement. So if you're going to use concrete, there's always an issue because it'll crack. Mm. Whereas we use a liner, and we place the rocks on the liner, and it all just moves. And the same thing happens in Australia because you get dry times and everything um, constricts, I suppose, yeah. comes in and then it gets wet and it expands again. So you get all that movement going on. So it's pretty similar in a way and I suppose it's just the, the cold, you know. Yeah. But over there you get 40-degree temperatures as well, you know, so it gets very hot in the summers. It might be a shorter period and it's a really fast, flush growth over there, but it gets really hot and really humid. Yeah. Um, some days are like North Queensland, you know. So yeah, right. yeah it's crazy when you think of it, but it does. So, so not much different. The rock choices, obviously, a little bit different. Um, the construction style is pretty much the same. It's really what you, how you place these things together, and how you pull that vision of the natural back and put it into something which you create with your hands. So it's no different in where you are in that world, really. Mm. What about the whole design process? Did you, you obviously did you learn that there, or do you reckon you? <clears throat> it's an ongoing thing. Look, I think I think it's I think it's knowing that it's possible. Looking at the first features you do, it's mm. kind of like the first house you design. I mean, what was the first? You know? Well, the first thing, first shed was your warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but you know, you've played around, and like you know, like, we all play around. So yeah, um, so. So I think you just keep developing that, and it's a, a subtlety, I suppose. I mean, it's easy to do big pointy things. I mean, the thing I suppose you look at a design and saying, how is this going to be um, subtle yet natural, I suppose, and how would it be? Because when you think about, if you walk up a stream, you go to Condola Falls and you walk up one of those creeks, those mm. it's like, it's just beautiful. Like you go to North Queensland, remember going to Upper Crystal Creek or something like that? That's all formed by just rocks and things being pushed into into spaces and over each other, and it's beautiful. There's no thought or yeah. means to it; it's just there. So the same thing comes when you build. If you overthink it, you, you can do it in, an injustice. You know, it's a disjustice to the actual design. So oftentimes, it's easier. Just, I mean, with time, you do. Um, you get a pile of rocks and you'll be able to just look at them from over here and just see the one that's going to go in next and you just know it's going to go there because yeah, right. you can just see it and that's something you learn. I think it's like any any um, any skill or any art because it is an art and it really is an art that you develop as you move through them and do more of them Yeah, and you develop the eye for it. So. Would you say there's like an apprenticeship almost? 
yeah, going definitely through water scapes. Yeah, there's a yeah, definitely an apprenticeship, as in me. You mean so? Or yeah, or people who want to start being a contractor with, uh, like an aquascapes contractor. Mm. Waterscapes started the process, and there were a bunch of guys who have come through waterscapes who are now out there building, yeah. in the ways they do. You know, some uh, acknowledging the fact, and some not. So, which doesn't matter anyway. No, I think there's particular people who have got that eye for it and who are very skilled at it, at getting the getting the look to it and spending that time, and it is an expression of themselves. Um, so, waterscapes has there's been quite a quite a few people come through waterscapes who are now off doing building. Um, I don't have such uh, employees in waterscapes these days. I mean, we did have that for a while, and then I just realised it just wasn't me. I just couldn't do it. So, a lot of the guys have got their own businesses from waterscapes. Uh, right now I don't employ people but what I do do for example this weekend or next weekend we're doing a workshop so I do a lot of workshops mm. so we'll build something we're going to be at the wildlife HQ at uh, the Big Pineapple mm. and we're going to be building one for South American capybaras you know, so which is going to be great because they that right now they've got a concrete thing that's got to be flushed out every day it's horrible I don't know how they exist there oh, right. They, they, they sometimes might have 60, 70% of their life would be spent in water in South yeah. America. That's what they do, you know. They come out and graze and they graze in the water. So we're going to create them a pond that they can do that with, and yeah, properly yeah. filtered and all the rest of it. So. Yeah. But they're the places that people can learn. Now they can come and learn at those. So at this particular one, we have contractors and new contractors and people are interested coming up from New South Wales and yeah. don't know Victoria this time because of the COVID thing, but um, from local anyway, there's about 15 people coming. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, you should come. What time is it? What <laughs> it starts on Saturday and goes to Wednesday. All oh, right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I well, may as well since we haven't done the one at the warehouse yet. We've got to do the one at the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the swimming because that's the whole thing as well. We're talking about recreation ponds. Now, this is the, a separate thing. I mean, we've got the ecosystem ponds and we've got the things we do, but an actual um, recreation pond, which is a body of water, mm. like a natural swimming pool, but more so, more aesthetic than a square natural swimming pool because you can do a natural swimming pool that's square and it's filtered and very sterile. We encourage plants and fish, and it's really just a big fish pond that you can swim in, you know, yeah. that you could get in there. So, yeah. And we actually did sort of spearhead that in Australia and the development of the recreational pond as opposed to the natural swimming pool. Yeah. And um, they're going really good, and people love them. Is the Woodford one that on <coughs> steroids or is that like. No, it's just a really big one. <laughs> oh, that was that was a fine project, but um, no, it's it's just a big recreational pond. It's like um, it's still filtered the same way. It's all just it's all the same from a small ecosystem pond. We filter with uh, biological filtration, which is really just um, surface area for beneficial bacteria to live on. The water passes through it, processes the nutrients, and and also combats different pathogens that are in the water. So um, and then it keeps circulating through. So you have the same thing on big systems. You just extrapolate the whole thing and scale it. So it's all scaled out to size. So um, so Woodford, you know, the filtration on that's at uh, the wetlands are at about twelve percent. It's a twelve megalitre uh, lake, I suppose, swimming lake. Yeah. And we've had water testing, and I'm just sort of still going through the throes of getting the results for that compiled over the last three years. Uh, they're testing it for all the obvious pathogens, mm. you know, human pathogens and water quality issues that could occur, and it's just behaved remarkably. It's incredible, really. It's all just been well with un, un, under the tolerance of, of recreational bathing water. It's incredible. And so, how many people have been swimming there? Lots. Like at the first one, I think there was 25,000 people. Um, then we had COVID, and then that's over seven days. 
think it was like 5,000 people a day or something yeah. were in there. And yeah. I think they've just had some bush times or some camping events out there where there might be 1,000 people, 2,000 people a day yeah. bathing in it on and off, you know. So, yeah. And it's beautiful. Uh, we have, a you know, the complement of... Um, of endemic fish species in there as well which is really exciting i've found uh there's the um the lungfish i've got the yeah. mary river lungfish in there there's three of those and uh and the also the mary river um uh, cod mm. so and they're big cod kind of like the murray river cod but from the obi area and mary river on the yeah. east coast here and they're growing really well as well i mean that was just a bit of a dream actually better get those in there and i've been i mean the only way to find them and you can snorkel down it's five and a half meters deep but I take take scuba gear in there, and you can spend a bit more time down there. And I found the lungfish, and they like went in about that big, and they're up to here now, and fat and happy. And the and the Mary River cotter in the same. They went in at that big, and they're pretty much doubled in size. So yeah, cool. incredible. So, so that let's um let's talk about the mindset around designing. Like the, do you find skills <coughs> in design? Like, is that your enjoyable time there when you're um in the process? I think. Look, I don't have a like a, a set sort of sit down and design thing. Mm. What I do is I can see it uh, in my my mind, I suppose. And um, uh, if I'm going out to a project, to a consult, and I to a property, I just spend a bit of time and I just stop. I just ask questions, and really, just what I want for people is is que- uh, answers of just words, really, of what what they mm. you know they're trying to attain. There, it's like a space for this. It's um, the sound of water, the, the the view of this. I want to be able to see this from the house. I want to feel that I'm relaxed in the mornings and how it interacts with my back step or something like that, you know, mm. those things are somewhere, a destination. So I just ask people for just words or descriptions of what they want to achieve, what they they feel or what they see in their mind. I don't want I don't want the physical layout of it exactly. Mm. And then I'll just stop and then I just some come quicker than others. There's always design elements which you have to address. So some things some difficulties I suppose to mm. be able to put things into a place. Sometimes they're a lot easier, but it just really just comes to me quite quickly quickly. The design of it, you can see it at a semi-mature finished level with water in it, and you can just kind of visualise it. It just comes, and mm. from there, it's quite simple. From there, I just take it that home, and and um, and it's really just a quantity surveying exercise from that point to mm. have all the materials there and the time. And from the experience we have over the many years that I've been building and designing, you know how long it's going to take. So. Mm. And your yeah. clients mostly trust you without <clears throat> sending them a drawing. A drawing that's <laughs> well, exactly I'm, what it's all about. Yeah. Now the thing is, well, what, what is it? What is it going to look like? I mean, to do if you're working with natural rock for a start, it's not going to. I mean, basically, you can do a bubble drawing and saying, well, here is the layout of where the body of water would be, and this is the kind of shape of it. Yeah. The waterfall will be here, the wetland or the whatever you know, the intake bay and that kind of stuff will be here. If we're doing larger projects, I will do that, and I work with um, one of one of the uh, one of my contractors. Uh, ben Harris, he's good at really quickly taking what I'm describing and putting it on paper, oh, right. so we can do that. So I just we do that, we go through it, and we might spend half an hour, an hour, and we we launch that that um, that layout, you know. And he's just, and he just no, it's really good, yeah, really good, because he's quick at it. Otherwise, uh, some people do ask for it, but it's like, do you want an artist impression? Because that's what it'll be. It'll be an art, so it's a pretty picture. Mm. It's going to cost you a bit more in the pro- in the process, but it takes time to do something like that. Mm. I mean, I can sit down and draw if I wanted to, you know, but it's going to be a day or two days for me to come up with something which I'm happy with to yeah. show you, you know. Yeah. Whereas, just look at our work. We have quite a catalogue now of, of work um, online and in our social media and all the rest of it. You can see what we've been doing, and it's yeah. really it is a matter of trust. And every client 
they say quite honestly to me, it's like a really hard thing for us just to trust you to be able to build this. But at the, <laughs> and at the end of it, they say, well, this has ex- exceeded our expectations. We had no idea this was possible or what you're going to do here, but it's just perfect. We couldn't imagine any other way. Mm. So, and I think it's better that way. Um, they know what we can do. We create something special for them within their space, which is totally individual and totally bespoke to their space, you know, mm. to that space there. Uh, and it's not just oh, it looks good in that space. It also takes into account their their custom, like how they would enter the thing or move around it or mm. view it and where they view it from inside the house and outside the house, where they'd sit and, mm. and enjoy it, you know. If they do get into it, how they get into it, be it a jumping rock and then how they get out of it as well. And that's all thought about it's not just oh this is where it's going to go it's Mm. all those other elements are thought about or i think about them in the actual process of design Mm. and also in the process of construction so design actually happens um, during construction as well because Mm. the rocks do speak to you i mean you know the rock and that's where it's got to go you know and it does have a bit of a way of having to be turned because that's how it's going to look the best you know um and we do use a specific system for that to put in. We don't use rock grabs and things. We actually have a strapping system, which we developed in Australia, which is more like a, a round, like a choking strap, which means you can pick any size rock up and we have it on a swivel. So you can pick it up with the excavator or the crane and you can just turn it any way you want and just place it down carefully. So Nice. Mm. I can, um, you're talking a bit like an architect. It'll be interesting with you and Dan, Dan Sparks working together on your house. I'm looking forward to this actually. So, yeah, Dan's and Dan's sent me through a few interesting things like sacred geometry, just some ideas on that, mm. which is something I'd like to. Pr- I mean, I don't want just a, a, a box, you know, I, yeah. I want something that feels like I'm inside and outside at the same time or that that, that, that um, threshold isn't that obvious you know mm. obviously it'll have a swimming or a recreation pond in there it'll be a big mm. part of it but i want to be able to move in and out of the thing yeah so i think it's gonna be really interesting when it comes up with, yeah. call, like can consult with him the design of the pond with the house or are you going to design the pond around the house after you see after you see what comes uh well i'm waiting for the first layout of that but i've sort of got an idea of what the pond looks like we've already actually before actually dan went into starting design haven't seen anything yet mm. we've actually already nailed sort of you know um nailed out a few things that mm. the house would actually work around sections of the pond so yeah okay. yeah like the wetland it's going to be higher anyway to have a waterfall mm. so part of the house rather than having it all flat would be a little bit of a raised back Back, back building might be raised. Anyway, I don't want to put, yeah, cool. don't want to put it, put it out there. <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see the finished yeah. result. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> what else? I um, don't know. I just kind of got lost listening to you talk about ponds. So, um, I don't know. A pond's interesting. People like ponds. <laughs> yeah. So. What about um, so. do you, like swimming in swimming in these ponds for health as opposed to a Normal swimming pool. Look, I don't know. I mean... Not something you even put your energy on. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I do. I do put the energy on that. The, the health is totally different. I feel... I mean, I know I've, you know I've been in swimming pools, normal swimming pools, and I think everyone have their different way. And there are different systems. There's magnesium pools and things that maybe aren't as corrosive as just a pure chlorine-treated pool, you know, which is fine. But I think for me it's more it's more about the total experience of being in something which is a living water, which isn't just supporting 
the water. You know, it's not mm. just a structure. It's also got plant life and fish mm. life and all the animals and things around it. So it's got lots of elements mm. um, and lots of functions, I suppose. It's more functions. It has, has elements to it, but those elements are supported by many functions. Or the other way around, I don't know how that works. But um, so it's, I don't know, it's more... More better, <laughs> more better, <laughs> more better. So, and I prefer to swim in it because interesting for me because once you get into a pool, you jump in, jump out. One of these things you can spend time in. You yeah. can, it can be it's like an in-ground fish tank. You put snorkels on and go and visit the fish. Yeah. You go and visit the water lilies. You potter around in it. You cool down, hop out, get in your garden again or something. You know, yeah. it's cool. It's good. Sit so, under the waterfall. Sit under the waterfall. Listen to the frogs. Yeah, well, frogs come. I mean, yeah, definitely. I know the one up north. It's got um, four species. Yeah, shouldn't be talking about frogs. Yeah, not allowed to here. Yeah. I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we won't talk about frogs. <laughs> no. So what's one thing you'd change about the current state of the world, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think this this thing about – a few things, really, I suppose. One about that we must and have must have everything and experience everything is one thing. We don't. We need to stop and just be happy with where we are for the minute and rather than continually looking for more. So I suppose that's part of being um, in the meditation as well, coming back to centre and just and just being without you know, without wa- without want, I suppose, you know. Right, so, yeah. 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 So the whole um, concept around wanting and needing is really creating lack in your life because you aren't content you have it's non-acceptance to what is yeah so yeah. if you really are in the present moment you actually don't need anything else you're at peace yeah and i think for people to find peace in this world i think they've got to start switching tvs and radios off because i don't know how that's possible and sometimes if you, if you always have that blaring need for some kind of external stimulus to feel like you're okay mm. or feel like you're in the in the present world, so yeah, I don't have a TV and I don't really listen to radio. I do I need to listen to bits and pieces here and there, but things that actually interest rather than just being force fed, mm. force fed stuff. Yep, definitely agree. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. if you're getting told your if you're getting told that whatever narrative, <laughs> yes, then how can you create your own? Really, I yeah, mean, you've got to battle that. Yeah, exactly. You're being told, so yeah, it's being narrated. Your life's being narrated to you, mm. I suppose, isn't it? So. Yeah. Actually, I listened to this thing, Bob Proctor, because I think he passed away last week, and I, so I've been consuming his content again. But he he said someone said to him they op- they had a book open on their desk, and he asked them why do you have your book open on the same page? And he said because I want to read it the same thing every day for the next two weeks or two months even because the more I read it, the more I become it. Okay. So yeah. I guess if you're just listening to the same thing that the media tells you, you will become that without realising. You become without realising, yeah. 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 It's also being part of a, a group consciousness, I suppose, isn't it really? So feeling a part of something. Yeah. 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 What do you think about being alone? Well, you spend yeah. a bit of, alone, bit of time alone. <laughs> I, I like being alone, actually. I enjoy it. So I think it's important to have interaction with you know um, friends, close friends who aren't you can... It's not always close friends. It's having interaction, good interaction with people. I mean, you go to the shop. It's not like you're alone, but it's still having interaction, which is a um, leaving a positive something onto someone else as well. Just being how you move through and with people. Mm. But being alone, I think, um, yeah, I, I actually there's nothing better than just to come home after I've had a very sort of full on day running because I do go hard um, in what I do. But come home and just 
stop. I mean, the mornings for me are pretty special too. Like just this morning again was one of those mornings where it was just like, I don't think I could give this up for anything else right now. It's a bit of an addiction maybe. That's something I should look at. But it's just the bird life that around me. It's just incredible to hear things calling back and forward and just to feel like you're in a space of vibration. It's a a space of vibration um, which must be doing something positive and beneficial to you because it is... A natural vibration, be it mm. the bird call, or the wind, and the wind and the leaves, or whatever it is, you know, to find that space. So I think it's really important for people to find that space wherever it may be in their life. That morning time is like precious as um, coming from sleep into facing the day again, mm. and just sitting and imbibing um, the morning sun, you know, and the vibration that comes with it. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. would definitely agree. If I and something I've definitely I've noticed moving from <coughs> Maroochydore to Nambour because mm. next we're next to must be next to um, a creek or something. Mm. But there's trees and there's forest right there, and you can hear the birds and you can hear the frogs. You can hear yeah. all the wildlife there. Yeah, and you can hear the water when it is raining, yeah. um, running, yeah. and it's it's like when you go camping. Yeah, but it's all the time. It's all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's like out at Kayamba at your place. But it obviously is, yeah. on steroids when you can hear the crickets in the forest just pulsing. Oh, that was wasn't that the other day? We were yeah. up in the hill and it was like the they went the cricket. They were the um, cicadas. Yes, yeah. It wasn't. It was like a. Yeah. Do you have a recording of that still? Yeah, I do. Why don't yeah. you stick that on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. But it's like it moved from one side and then they just kept. They come right around and that dies off and then it comes back around again didn't it so yeah. and yeah. then it almost came from both sides both sides did a stereo yeah. <laughs> yeah that was pretty good wasn't it it's that yeah. synchronicity thing and i saw actually the someone flicked four like things ticking or five of them ticking and they were like ticking yeah what are they called the pendulums um yeah, yeah. I think melatron. Melatron. I think they use for piano playing yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and then after like a while they all are in synchronicity like they, oh, really? they tick tick and then after like a minute they're all Doing the exact same, same thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. They're all on the same, yeah, vibration. Or, hmm. They're all on the same um, page. Yeah. One more thing before we wrap it up. Really? <laughs> Unless you have more to say. I don't know. I mean, you're talking about um, being alone. I think alone is something. Alone time is something I cherish. It's important to have interaction with people who who maybe make you question a bit more or also, you know, help you or just allow you express. Because I think when you're on, you're on your own a lot as well, sometimes you can, to express is sometimes hard, mm. so especially, but I think it's important to have those people just to be able to express. And it's not just sticking within the, these are the only people I want to, exp, you know, to deal with as well. You've got to allow yourself to deal with everyone, otherwise you just find yourself in a little niche. You know? exactly. so, so I think it's important to keep spreading. Mm. But um, alone time is really important, and that can be attained through, you know, through through meditation or some kind of practice. I'm just discovering right now because I did Tai Chi when I was younger, but discovering night right now through a, a friend, um, Qigong, which I'm finding really, really. I've been wanting to have a it just sort of happened. I think a lot of things have happened in my life recently that I've asked for. And it's like, mm. and I had, but I've had to let things go mm. to allow space for these things to come in, mm. which I found important as well. To make change, you've got to allow the space for the change to come in, I think, and allow space for it to happen. Yep. If you don't do that, it's like having that stop. You've got to make that stop um, and then start again. It's like another chapter, I suppose, but make that space. So so I made that space. Um, over the last sort of six months I've been working on that. It's like making that space, um, which required being on my own a bit and being more segregated and being very protective of my space, really, not allowing people I didn't want to, that, that I didn't need in my yeah. space there. So... Um, for these other things to happen so yeah that was good 
Manifestation. Let's ask about that. <clears throat> Manifestation. Yeah. Do you believe in it? Um, I've never. I've realised after a certain amount of time, I didn't have to worry about having to support myself or what I needed. I'd always be able. To, it'd always be there. So I mean, there's a thing about being creative, and if you're creative and you're open to creativity, you can create. I do think allowing the space and asking, or it's not saying I want a new car. You know, it's not 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 the thing. But I think you do manifest the space you want around you. And the life you do want to have, uh, definitely. So when you, what you were just talking about before, when you brought this stuff into your world, what does that look like? Like how, how did that happen? Like why or what do you mean? Why or how, um, you said you had to make, you had to let go of some stuff to make space, but you also needed to know what you wanted, did you not? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's taken a while for me as well. I mean, I've had a really, it's been an interesting life, lots of ups and downs, in a good way, I, I appreciate all of those, but I never, I was never depressive. It was mm. not a depression for me. It was just observation. Whenever I found myself in a situation, you could always say, uh, "Well, this will pass." You could yeah. see that I knew from experience, and it was okay. It was okay. It was okay to have that experience and have it fully as well, because it's what's happening right now. Mm. But to also know it's not a permanent thing, and I think it's just taken me a lot of time. I, I mean, there's the up, there's the things you carry from your upbringing. And there's also a genetic thing you carry as well. You, you definitely carry a genetic memory. Okay, so for me, my upbringing um, contradicted my genetic up, um, genetic history as well to a degree because of things that had happened, you know, how, how things happened, how, was, how I'm here. Mm. Um, so for me to um, look at the parts of my cultural upbringing, which is the family, okay, and then look at the parts of my genetic history and my genetic impulses and all the rest of it and to see and take the parts that I wanted out of both of those and to and to make something whole out of them um, that's been a process for me to, to do that and that's taken a lot of years and so I know I'm attached to the ground land I know what I want I do want community um, I've been um, um, I don't need a lot of people around me I don't need multitude of friends I just need uh, well, I don't need anything but I just to have people that I appreciate and who appreciate, you know, and from all walks of life, that you can discuss different topics and ob- uh, and and um, areas of of interest, mm. not just in one thing. Um, um, there's potential for so much, and I do. I'm not going to share everything I want to do right now, but it's like <laughs> I do have it very clear as to where it's going to go at this yeah, point in cool. my life. So, yeah, but it is very earthy. I do want to go back to growing i'm good at growing food i want to go back to growing food again i mean the business is great and i really enjoy building or designing the, the ecosystem part of it and doing those projects i'm doing less physical work in that i will build my own but mm. definitely with some help from um the guys who i'm friends with who work with me so yeah so, but i'm really excited about the next 20 years so mm. yeah yeah i'm 54 now so i'm really excited 54 64 74 84, whatever it's going to be, but then this next 20 years is going to be phenomenal. So, what do you think about death before <laughs> on that uh, topic? Yeah, I embrace death. So, um, it's a return. I mean, <clears throat> like it's like Carl Sagan, and I was just revisiting this particular thing yesterday. It was like, uh, we're, we're, well, we're all connected and we are star stuff, and we're going to go back to it again. You know, we are from the stars and we go back to it, and we are almost that, feed, that feedback loop for the, for the, for the cosmos, you know, what we observe, it's like when you say talking about manifestation, what we think, I mean, what we feel, what we put out there becomes reality again. So we have this fantastic opportunity, a fantastic ability to change our realities and the reality of the world around us if we 
all got together in this path. But I think it's just a return. I'm, I'm, you know, this is my one life. I don't believe in in such as an afterlife. Um, I don't believe in uh, so much as a um, even if there is, you know, uh, um, reincarnation, reincarnation, and those. So it doesn't matter. This is the life I remember right now. My reincarnation will come back, but it's not my personality that will come back. It's not a remembering. Mm. It may come back. This part of my spirit may come back and have more work to do. You know, but mm. that's separate from what I am right now. But I will take notice of that, and I will do all the work I can that I think I'm doing because we get distracted. I was listening to one of the Vedic um, guys the other day about when a child choose, does choose the parents. You mm-hmm. know, this is the belief which I love, but it's, and then and, and, but it's chosen with a purpose. But after mm. about six months of a baby, it's forgotten that purpose because you get into life. Mm. And so to keep that memory of why you came back in that first four to six months to be able mm. to do that as a child, or I don't know how you do that with a child, how you do it with your own, but to do yeah. it as yourself to remember that so you don't get lost into the manipulation and the structure of life and the mm. education system or whatever it is sort of thing that you forget why it is you're actually here to come and back and learn. So... Mm. so uh, I'd like to be able to die consciously, for example, like actually die, feel it. Feel it. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to be addled by drugs. So yeah, but I'm not. I'm saying I want to die, <laughs> or I'm looking forward to dying. But I'd like to be conscious about the fact that when I do die, I'm doing it well. Yeah, so, yeah. But I'm not afraid of it. So yeah, Just observe the sensation as it takes you down. Yeah, it's going to be a wacky, wild thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But it goes so quick, you don't think about it. This is the thing, I think, I mean, it's good for you to be thinking about it as well, but we kind of do, but you don't. When you're young, it's just like you're just like this machine that can keep on going, you know, and you get to a point and you say start, things start to change a bit and it's like, ah, I'm on the second half already, you know, so, and it is precious. It's very precious. Well, I only had one more question and I think you've probably covered it, but someone listening to find... If they're stuck, like Herodotus when he was 21. (laughs) (laughs) Or was I 21? I must have been 21 or 20. Yeah. I confused 20-year-old to live a fulfilling life. Look, I I was the same thing. I was confused, you know, 20-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, trying to find my purpose and what I wanted to do as well. And I think that happened naturally just through saying, right, I'm just going to try lots of different things. I think it is finding a purpose, whatever that purpose may be. Um, and accepting that purpose and 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 that mightn't be the first thing you try so but I think my advice to you at the time was just go meditate <laughs> <laughs> no, I did the permaculture I did the permaculture design oh, course you did the, you did the permaculture design course where what are the, yeah okay yeah. there you go so that that opened some doors for you as well so, yeah um any door it opened was me changing the whole backyard at home you changed <laughs> <laughs> Purpose. Keep trying. Keep trying. And if you're not happy, go try something else. Yeah, well, that's pretty much it. And and also just start to ride that wave. You know that things do go up and down. It's okay. It's okay to say, gee, I feel shit today. And it's all right mm. to say, gee, okay. And then and then I know there's chemical things that can happen which can really put people in some pretty dark places. But it's also, there's, I think there's, we can also stop. I mean, I, I catch myself with the self-chatter sometimes as well. You're sort of just talking... Um, mm. about something or you got something wrong and you just it's just learning just to catch it and say oh where am I going with that and why am I thinking that stuff and just to learn to stop it mm. and and don't beat yourself up that you can't do it all the time and that you keep maybe mm. going back to that and getting lost and being not being conscious of what you're thinking about or doing but just keep catching yourself and it's okay to have those you know 
Um, it's okay to not know what you want to do. Mm. It's okay to have those you know, extremely euphoric days as well sort of thing But because it, mm. it is a role. But I think just persevere, keep trying things until you find your passion. And, mm. I mean, I can speak from really from after you know after going through all this thing it is once you this is such a cliche thing to say but it's like you know you know once you do the thing you love it's not really work anyway so but to find that thing is sometimes the hard thing Mm -hmm. and it can happen it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight it's perseverance as well but it's like you might just keep coming back to this thing keep trying things and that might combine with something else you've done and find it will make its path Mm. but seriously it's perseverance so yeah yeah yeah. on that um on what you said just before about the you know the downs Mm. i think for some reason i feel there's a kind of big almost push at the moment in the spiritual kind of community to always be happy Uh, yeah yeah. like it's like you don't have to feel down but it's like it doesn't really matter because being happy or sad is kind of they're both just emotions like toxic positivity or something is it the yeah. sort of thing, sort of thing yeah, yeah i haven't really yeah. put my um kind of finger on yeah. what i think it is but there's like a there's a lot of emphasis on not being in those sad states and i mean they just come they just they, come but yeah. the total thing if it didn't have any would just be flat line which would yeah. be pretty boring um, I mean, melancholy. I like the melancholy state. It's a, a state of reflectiveness in a way, you know. Mm. You mightn't be feeling like the jumping out of your skin, but you're down there. Mm. But then it's also being aware of that, like, yeah, I'm depressed. I just don't feel. And it's like, okay, I'm just going through. Mm. At this point, I'm just going through this, and it's okay. And so, here you're going, oh, I'm just feeling a bit this way, and express it, you know, it's all right. And if people are in tune with you and, and they know you and they and understand this they're happy with that as well so yeah it's okay yeah, mm. we're here i think it's wrong just to want to be in that high all the time or to try and express push that i suppose as being the only way to be so yeah it's okay to rise mm. and fall this doesn't it doesn't feel sustainable it's not sustainable <laughs> <laughs> your adrenals your adrenals yeah. must get i don't know it's like yeah yeah i mean how can it be sustainable yeah it's like putting your feet back in the earth again you know so like you can be flying, but you've got to put your feet back in the earth again and just feel anchored a bit, and that can be feel like a bit of a down, I suppose, sometimes, but mm. it's important. So, yeah, it's part of being human too, isn't it, really? Mm. Um, and I think it's just being aware that, that is the process you mm. know, and not get caught in it, go get locked up in it. All right. Anything else? Unless you've got something to add. I'm sure there's things. I'm sure there's things, yeah. Been good, right? It's been really yeah. good seeing you on your journey too. You've, you've, you've really accomplished. I don't know. Let's talk about accomplishment, but it's like you're just doing some really good stuff, and yeah. I like what you're doing with the community, you know, Nambour, and with uh, supporting other businesses. I mean, you're bringing. It's it's very. It's, it, it works both ways. It's really exciting to see the initiatives that are happening around the place, you know, mm. and what's happening at the Pottery Studio and on track and. Mm, it's really it's going to be good next door. I meet with yeah. Blair. Um, yeah. It'll be the best podcast studio in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. I've got this. Um, it's like you at the pond. I've just. I got the image in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. got to build it now. Yeah, make it happen. Thank you for coming on. Good journey, mate.